When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, awesomes. Welcome back to another episode in our Extra Awesome series. I'm Meg Teets, and from time to time, we take a break from our regular Friday sort of awesome schedule to talk to awesome people doing amazing things in the world. I'm talking to two women who are taking our culture by storm with their smart and timely and inspiring approach to discussions about politics and hot topics and learning how to truly listen and have healthy dialogue with each other. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute. But first, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already joined us over in this sort of awesome hangout, we would love to have you join us over there on Facebook. Because speaking of healthy dialogues, our Sorta Awesome Hangout is one of those very rare places on the internet where you can see that really practiced every day. We have over 5,000 women in our hangout, and we talk about everything from marriage and parenting to the best skincare routines to how to navigate hard situations in life. So if you'd like to come check out our very awesome community, please come find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. Okay, friends, today's Extra Awesome is going to be hugely awesome because today I'm joined by Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers. They are the creators and co-hosts of the podcast Pantsuit Politics, and they're the co-authors of the brand new book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, A Guide to Grace-Filled Political Conversations. So 10 years ago, Sarah left her life as a Capitol Hill staffer behind to move back to her hometown of Paducah, Kentucky, to raise a family. In 2016, she went back to politics in a big way when she knocked on over 5,000 doors to win an election to the Paducah City Commission, where she served a single term. Beth spent 11 years as a restructuring attorney and then a human resources executive in a Cincinnati-based law firm before becoming a business coach in January of 2018. Beth teaches yoga and speaks to organizations and conferences about her favorite subject, hard conversations. So Beth and Sarah, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for having us. So excited to be here. So excited for you all to be here. You all were kind enough to send me a copy of your brand new book. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. Uh, Before the end of the year, I read it like practically in one setting as soon as I got it because it is so engaging and you guys did an amazing job on this. Thank you. 
Um, before we kind of dig in and start to talk about some of the nitty gritty of what you all talk about all the time, which is both like how to engage with politics and how to have these conversations and how to do them really in ways that are awesome. I wanted to get a little bit of background just on how your collaboration and how your mission of Pantsuit Politics came to be. So Beth, if you could kind of just start us off and tell us a story a little bit of how the podcast came to be. Sarah and I went to college together at Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky. We were both five muse. And so we knew each other through the sorority and always kind of were in each other's circles, although we weren't really close friends. We were kind of on parallel tracks when we were there. And after we left college, Sarah went off to Washington, D.C. to law school. I stayed in Kentucky for law school. I started practicing law. Sarah worked um, for the Clinton campaign and then for Senator Menendez and then started blogging when she uh I'm going to use the verb dragged. Sarah can correct me if she disputes this verb, but dragged her husband back to Paducah, Kentucky to raise their family. (laughs) And I reached out to Sarah actually about natural birth because I was following her blog over Facebook and saw that she had had successful home births, which was something I was really interested in when I got pregnant a few years after Sarah had had her first child. And so we connected about that. And then I noticed on Sarah's blog her tendency to have like a post about recommended baby products followed by a post about whether we should engage in Syria or not. And I was more into the serious side <laughs> of the world. I love it. <laughs> and, and so I reached out while I was on maternity leave to say, do you ever need some guest posts? And we kind of started to connect again over the blog. And then Sarah, you want to take it from here since you're our official origin storyteller. So I loved all the content Beth was writing. She wrote a really great post called Nuance, which was, man, it was in the good old days when we would fight about things like Cecil the Lion. Everybody remember Cecil the Lion? Oh, man. Oh, yes. Those were definitely the good old days. days. Um, And she was like, hey, you know, there's nuance. We could say we feel strongly that Cecil the lion deserved to live and also that we might not need to murder the person that shot him. So like, she was just like hashtag nuance. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just find, we don't all have to stake out the extremes and, you know, do it to the death. And it was received so well. And everybody was like, yes, thank you. Um, That I thought, okay, hold on a second. Because I had been thinking about starting a podcast. I thought I would interview women that worked in politics because I knew a lot of them for my work in politics. And I did one interview. I just completed training for Democratic women considering public office. And I interviewed the executive director of Emerge Kentucky. And it was a really good interview. I just, listen, I like to give answers, not ask questions. That's just the reality of my personality. So sat there for a while. Like, I was like, I don't know about this interview situation. And when Beth wrote that piece, I thought, now, hold on. What if we could have these nuanced conversations on a podcast? Because my husband was like, you got to start a podcast. You got to start a podcast. He's a podcast junkie. And so I said, Beth, how would you like to start a podcast? And we could have these nuanced conversations that we're not hearing anywhere else on our own podcast. And she said, what's a podcast? And I was like, don't worry. We'll work that out. And so we had a phone call where we thought, we'll just talk about Kentucky politics. And I still remember like where I was driving in my hometown and we talked for like almost an hour. And I said, okay, we're not talking anymore unless we're recording it because we clearly have something here. We have a really good 
emotional flow. We have really good chemistry um, that's hard to fake. And uh, most importantly, Beth has a kind heart and doesn't mind being interrupted constantly, which is my struggle in life. So it just it was really meant to be from the beginning. That is fantastic. I love that. I love that it grew so organically out of real and natural conversations between the two of you. And now it has really become this model for so many people to really get to hear and engage with two people having conversations that do have nuance that are coming at issues and topics from different perspectives, but are able to talk through it. I know that your work has genuinely made a difference for so many people. And and I can completely understand how uh, the book publishing industry was like, wait a second, ladies, <laughs> let's take this outside of the podcast realm and turn it into a book. And so how long into doing Pantsuit Politics was it before the book idea came along? I was just about to do the math in my head. Yeah, we started in 2015 and we started talking to a literary agent in early 2017. Is that right, Beth? Yeah, I think that's right. And the literary agent was a listener of our show. We had just kind of said a little bit casually on the podcast that we were interested in thinking about a book. And she contacted us and said, I think you should be interested in thinking about a book. And here's what that process could look like. And we're we're really lucky about that. People ask me like, how do you get a book deal? I'm like, I don't know. It fell out of the sky for us because, you know, mm. serendipity just brought this book to life, but it's really been a good opportunity for us to take a step back. When we do the podcast, we are into having those nuanced conversations. We are in the process of trying to find some grace and space on issues where we disagree, especially. And the book gave us a chance to zoom out from all that and say, wait a second, What's working in these conversations? How could we name for other people how it is that we're able to do this week after week? And honestly, how our relationship has grown so much through that disagreement, which is what we think is the most like widely applicable secret sauce that we have going. That totally makes sense. I love that. Well, like I said, I read the book months ago as a pre-release, and I just have been telling so many friends about it since every time this topic comes up in conversation, I'm sending people um, both to the podcast and to the book. And I know that it is really transforming the way we understand, especially in a time when obviously you guys started in 2015, like sort of awesome did. And I think back like truly 2015 was such this beautiful time and we didn't even know. (laughs) Um, But I love that over time, you guys have really been, you know, like doing this work and helping people have a way, like, like I said earlier, a model of how this looks lived out in real life. So speaking of that, we have so many of our awesome uh, community, so many of our awesomes that love Pantsuit Politics have read the book and in fact um, have really kind of taken up this idea of having a, a nuanced and civil approach to discourse and conversation in one of our sort of awesome hangout spinoff groups that's called sort of political. And so over in our sort of political group, Sarah, you got the ball rolling on this and ask some, ask like, what questions, what, what can we talk about when it comes to politics and how to be awesome at talking about it? So we collected some of these questions from our awesomes. And so I'm going to toss some of these to you guys. And I would love to hear your thoughts because I know even for people who aren't engaged in like the sort of political group, or they're not even necessarily engaged in listening to 
podcasts that talk about politics or hot topics. These are really overarching universal things that many of us are wondering about in our culture today. So I want to start with this question from Awesome Kathy. She asked, and I I identify with this question so much. I'm wondering if Kathy is an Enneagram 9 like I am based on this question. She said, I would love to hear you all talk about how to be informed and politically active without feeling overwhelmed by it all and wanting to hide in your room and never come out, which is kind of where I find myself a lot of the time. I just want to avoid all of it. Beth, what would you say first off to Kathy's question here? Well, I think Kathy represents a lot of people with this question. And what we always try to tell folks is there is a spectrum of being engaged with current events. You do not have to be all in the Twitter feed all day, every day, or say politics is not for me. There's a good, healthy middle space. And a lot of what we ask people to do, especially because once you find that good, healthy middle space where you're getting some news and you're thinking deeply about it, but you're not obsessed, they feel compelled to get involved. And so we always say, just find your work. Think about what feels right to you. What's the one issue that kind of breaks your heart? And maybe that's the issue that you just write a letter to your Congress member about. Um, You don't have to go to 100 or zero here. You just want to find that good, healthy middle range. The other thing that we say is like, find your medium. Right. Cable news does not nourish anybody's soul, really. And so I find that reading my news is better than watching my news. I find that listening to the kinds of conversations that I want to hear, mostly through podcasts, helps me process the news. But I always want to get that news before I hear it processed. So I like to pick a couple of websites that I feel are good fact-based information, read those, maybe pick a couple of podcasts with people I trust to listen to them process it, and then just think about, is this my work or not? And I feel like it's easier all the time to get clear about what your work is as you dive into this. But knowing this is my work and the rest is someone else's work and we've got to all trust each other to be our links in the chain helps me from finding that overwhelmed feeling. That makes so much sense. I really saw that come to fruition in my own life um, after I traveled to over to Lebanon to um, report on and be engaged in the Syrian refugee crisis. That really clarified for me, like refugee issues, and then, you know, kind of spawning out from that larger immigration issues. That is one thing that I really feel deeply connected to. I feel like I can tune into. I have, um, because it is is sort of like my thing, I feel like I can more easily hear perspectives from all different ends of the spectrums about that. And it helps to kind of have like, this is my one thing. And it I think you're right that it kind of serves almost like as a filter, Beth, like where you're like, okay, if it's not, if I'm going to be informed about these other things, but in terms of being like actually really active and engaged, like this is my spot where I camp out. Does that kind of ring true? Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you don't pay attention to anything else on earth, but it means you don't get emotionally invested and your work might be refugee work. Someone else's work might be uh, rebuilding a public park in their community, right? Like the f- everything is important. And a lot of times I think we feel like we have to find our work in some national news kind of constantly on social media topic. 
but we can make a huge difference on those local issues too. And you just got to find the thing that really feels right to you to dive into. Sarah, I would love to hear your follow-up thoughts too, particularly as somebody who got really deeply engaged in politics in a local way. Like how, what does it look like for you in terms of being really engaged in issues, but not getting so overwhelmed and letting it kind of take over and control your life? Well, I'm not always perfect at it. It's not always the fact case that it's not taking over my life, particularly when I was a local public servant. I think there's two things that I always remind myself of. When I'm just engaging with the information, say through news, I constantly try to check in with the fact that history is long and this is a small part of it. And I try to think through the bigger perspective of what we've been through as a nation, as a world, as a human race up until this point, and that um, I'm sure it would have been very easy at different points to feel despondent and like everything was at an end. And so I, I just try to tap into the the long line of human beings that came before me and hopefully will come after me and play my small role and remember that there are bigger stories to tell that don't bubble mm-hmm. up into headlines. There's good things happening, that there's long, long work happening that's not going to have a short-term payoff that we might never see in our lifetime, but that is making a difference. Um, you know, good things, good consequences, good work are not always going to be the number one headline on CNN. In fact, they often aren't. And so just remembering that for me is really, really important. And as far as just engaging locally, look, it's really hard. In some ways, it feels more approachable because it's your community. But in other ways, it's the stakes are higher because it's your community and the emotions wrapped up in it are really intense because it's your community. The reason I only served a single term on the city commission is because I lost my reelection last last year. And that was really, really hard to feel like this is the place I live. This is the place I love Mm. and they don't want me um, to lead. And so, you know, that was a that's a journey I'm still going through and a thing I'm still examining. But again, those lessons of almost about the news are still true of my community. You know, it's not that my community didn't want me. That's just some people didn't want me. Some people <laughs> did vote for me. And, you know, that the idea that the city commission is the only thing happening or that the whatever the local news covers is the only story going on in our community. And that's just not true. And um, checking with that, checking in with that, reminding myself, being surrounded by people in our community that are very engaged in things that don't make the local news. Um, is really helpful to give me that perspective and to remind me. But it, I mean, it, it's it's a it can be a really hard road because if you're acting out of your values, if you're acting out of something that you care deeply about, there is an inherent vulnerability in that, and that's okay. I mean, that's how we grow as human beings. That's how we learn as human beings. But we all know that when we act out of those values, there's not really a safe way to do that. Um, there is risk involved when you put your heart on the line. But we're always better off for doing so. Absolutely. I love that. I love that idea of really connecting to what your values are and kind of letting that um, lead the way. There definitely is that vulnerability there. But I think, you know, to kind of even circle back to what Beth was saying, that might be one of the best paths to engaging without getting overwhelmed by all of the things. And I love that too. I'm such a big picture thinker. So what you said, um, Sarah, about like taking the long view of how, you know, history and just like humanity plays out over time. I find so much comfort in that. That really resonates 
with the way I tend to view things too. So that's super helpful. Um, let's move on to this next question from um, another awesome Leanne. She says, your book talks a lot about engaging people in politics with intellectual curiosity, but what do you do about people who just don't seem to have that? If you've done the work for yourself and you're trying to kind of help people in your circles, whether it's family or community or whatever, like how do you know if you should keep working with people and sometimes you just have to kind of give up? What does that look like? Sarah, I'd love to hear you tackle that one first. Well, I, I think what's really difficult is if we Let's shift from the word curiosity and shift to our word grace. There are people who, for for lots of reasons, their own trauma, their own life experience, um, their own pain, whatever it is, are going to be unwilling to give grace. That does not mean that they cannot receive it. Um, and so when we're engaging with people you know and particularly we're talking about loved ones we're not we're not advocating people just start trying this with strangers right. on the street. <laughs> That's not a, don't do that. Um, but with loved ones, you know, if to give grace is an exercise of importance all on its own. To be curious yeah. just because you want to know, not because you want them to be curious about you. Because sometimes they're not going to be. Um, right. The exercise of giving that grace, of being curious and listening, um, what we're saying in our book is beneficial all on its own. Not because we're trying to um, force them to be curious or be grace-filled, because that doesn't work. I've tried that. Um, not because we're trying to guilt them into it or like even out of a good place in our heart to sort of educate them. That can happen. It can often happen. But it's not always going to happen, and that's not our goal. Our goal is to learn more about ourselves and to grow as human beings and to um, exhibit our values by the ways in which we engage with each other. Yes, absolutely. That that message comes through in your book so strongly. Um, just, you know, chapter after chapter, that is so reinforced. Um, Beth, I'm wondering if you have any follow-up ideas on this when you're talking about people who just seem really resistant to approaching these big issues with a sense of intellectual curiosity. Like, how do you kind of find the boundary for yourself? I would draw on another chapter of our book, which is put politics in its place. You can still have a relationship with this person without them mm. meeting you where you are on political issues. And I think often we are so much more influential with other people in our lives when we are just a kind, caring presence that that causes them to be more interested in us and where we're coming from. And so I think if you have a family member, especially you just yeah. can't get there with politically, then I would just let it sit a little bit. We talk a lot about holding the tension. So you know that tension is there. We really disagree strongly about things that are very important to me. We really approach that disagreement in very different ways. Okay, we do. That's where we are. Now let's work on the rest of our relationship and see if working on the rest of our relationship mm. causes some eventual unfolding. I think some of it is we come to these conversations like, well, you and I have to sit down and hash this out now and come away with some kind of resolution. And it's just not like that. And so if you see the long game in it and you say, this is a person that I care about and want to have a good relationship with in spite of these differences, then I would work the rest of that relationship and then let the politics come back around as it does. 
and be a more credible voice to that person because of the way you've treated them about everything else. I love that. I actually got goosebumps hearing that answer. That makes so much sense. And it really speaks to another question that one of our awesomes, Valerie, had. And it's along these same lines, like when people, we may be committed to being awesome and and understanding nuance of, of conversations, but other people may not even be okay with a diversity of opinion. And then they get ugly about it. Um, And she was kind of wondering, how do you handle these relationships? I love what you're saying there, Beth, in terms of caring for and and really fostering um, some connection in the sort of holistic relationship. And then eventually through time, maybe there there might be some ability to have a more nuanced conversation and, and maybe not. And that kind of being able to sit and come from a place of like, I'm still going to be who I am. I'm still going to approach this relationship in this way, even knowing that the other person may literally never change. <laughs> um, but just to be able to to hold space for that relationship to develop over time in in the ways that don't have to do with the political differences. So that makes so much sense. You know, a conversation we've been having a lot recently um, is about institutions and some of the changes happening in our institutions like the church. In the same way that we can't expect to exhibit influence on an institution as it evolves if we leave the institution, we cannot expect to exhibit influence on a relationship if we leave the relationship or if we stay in in the most surface level possible and avoid talking about hard things together. How can we work on each other? How can we influence each other? How can we, um, as I say, bump up against each other um, if we are just you know, avoiding anything hard, anything difficult, anything that's about our values, like that's just not going to happen. Such a great point. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and bring in some more of the like practical ways this looks like lived out, especially when it comes to personality. You know, we talk about personality a lot here on Sort of Awesome. And so one of our awesomes named Kayla said that she identifies really strongly with Sarah in terms of the political leanings and personality. She said she's an Enneagram one. Sarah, are you an Enneagram one? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. And and Beth, do you know your Enneagram? I'm a two. Okay. Oh, what a great pairing for this. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Kayla's wondering. That, you know, for Sarah, with having really strong opinions about things as a one, ones, of course, have a really clear um, idea of right and wrong. It's very, tends to be a little bit more black and white for people from that particular personality type. She's wondering what specific steps you've taken to manage your reactivity to others and to develop that skill for listening when that skill may not necessarily be like natural or instinctive for you. So I would love to hear you talk about that because certainly all of us, you know, again, on this personality spectrum, there's going to be people that are going to be more reserved with their opinions and they're going to be people that are bold with their opinions. Sarah, what has that looked like for you in terms of kind of learning how to engage these conversations? Well, that's easy. It's called What Would Beth Do? Um, (laughs) um, I am a one with a two wing. So I'm really interested in people. um, And my curiosity is genuine. Now, where my oneness comes out is like, I don't really, I don't want to do small talk. Like I'll just... My friends and I laugh that I want to sit down with people and be like, mm, what's the meanest thing your dad ever said to you? The moment I'm like, <laughs> like I just want to go right into it. Um, 
so yeah, I think I've had to really channel the fact that as strong as I feel about my gut instinct and as strongly as I am driven by justice, first I have to um, ease up on the the perfection and the drive for better to realize that I get things wrong and that's okay. Um, and so to give pe- everybody else the grace to get things wrong. And, you know, I always say the the conversation that was my aha moment was about church clothes. It was one of our first episodes on The Nuanced Life where we talk about stuff outside politics. And we had this long conversation where I did and still do feel very strongly that church clothes are a thing, that like we should wear collars and I don't want to see your toes and like all these these very specific guidelines, which side note really bit me in the booty this morning because my son put on a collared shirt to do a presentation at school. My oldest son and my youngest four-year-old had a meltdown because he thought his brother was going to church without him. So there we go. <laughs> No, listen, this is fascinating to me because I also, I am a nine, but I have a very strong one wing and I have like really big feelings about church clothes. I mean, not very big. And so we had this long conversation where Beth is so funny considering our political leanings was like, everybody, do, you do you, whatever you want to wear. And I was like, no, that's false. Do not listen to her. Put on a collar shirt. That's false. Um, and so she was like, look, I, because we had this very good conversation where we were like, and my point was like, we have to show the space is special somehow. And this is the most easily accessible way to do that. I just want you to put on your best. I'm not trying to say if you can't buy nice clothes, don't come to church. Obviously, I don't feel that way. But let's just let's 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 symbolize with our closing that this is an important space to us. And she was like, I get that. But shaming people into that is probably never going to work. Let's inspire people to better options. Or, and I was like, oh, God, but I really just want to shame people so bad. I really want to. I've been trying. I always joke, like, for 20 years I've been doing, like, I'm going to pass on this Atlantic long read and everybody's going to see the same way I do. And then we can all stop fighting about it because clearly I'm right. This article and she was like, okay, but what if that doesn't work? And let's try inspiring people's better angels. And I'm like, oh, God, I think she's right. But it's so I have to always like kind of check in on the car. Okay, I need it. What would Beth do? She would inspire people, not shame them. And so that is something I still try to do regularly. I mean, I, she's been, a, and I'm sure my husband would agree, an excellent influence on me to just pump the brakes on the oneness a little bit and remember that. Again, shaming doesn't ever work as well as we want it to. Okay. So Beth, I'm so interested if some of Sarah's oneness and bold opinions and convictions, if that has rubbed off on you in any way. Um, I mean, twos are certainly not ones to withhold their opinions. They can definitely have, you know, bold feelings about things. But I'm wondering if the if there is a, a way that Sarah's approach to things has kind of made some change in the way you communicate things. Oh, hugely. I mean, how much time do you have? I think that the <laughs> the main thing I would draw on here is that as a two, especially in political conversation, I want to take care of everyone around me, which often means swallowing my own feelings for the sake of everyone that I'm with. Right. Yeah. And so what I have really learned from Sarah is that I can both care about everyone in the conversation and take up my own space. And I can state my opinion unapologetically and then explain 
how I'm still caring about everyone, even though I have my own space. And I think that's so important, especially as I think about everything we know about gender and politics, about women running for office, about women even participating in political discussions, you know, about women as um, the influencers of most values in children's lives, but not necessarily the person who helps form kids' political opinions, historically anyway. And so for me, and for all of us who have that caretaking bent, I think that learning from people like Sarah, that you can absolutely still love everyone around you and stand your own ground has been invaluable. That's so important. And I really do think that even though, you know, right now we're kind of specifically talking about it in the lens of personality, again, this is just a theme that comes up over and over in the book and definitely in your conversations on the podcast, this idea that like we need each other, no matter what our strength of convictions are and where we land on different issues that we really need each other to, um, to be able to, first of all, understand ourselves better, but then to move outside of ourselves and affect change in the areas that are so important to us. So I love this beautiful balance that you guys have, um, in terms of how you have figured out, um, how to have these conversations and are showing us a little bit more about that. So any, any closing thoughts for the awesomes before we wrap up today? Well, I think that I just want to say thank you to the community. When Sorta Political popped up, it was pretty early in the podcast life. And to see it resonate with a community I already loved and respected so much felt so great. And that Facebook group is amazing. I yeah. get more than a couple show ideas from them. Uh, <laughs> It's just really, um, it's so great to be here. And thank you so much for having us. I second all of that and would just encourage everyone who listens who doesn't think they want anything to do with news and politics that we're not saying dive into the deep end. Mm. Just put a little bit on your plate. Like I'm going to totally mix my metaphors here, but just put a little bit on your plate. You know, make room in your week for maybe one political podcast. Maybe make room for reading one article a week because your voices are needed, especially people who are not invested in one extreme or the other. Your voices are sorely needed. We talk a lot on our show about being passionate moderates. Mm. And I just think that the more people who show up in their ways. They don't have to show up in everyone else's way, just in your way. It makes an enormous difference. Love that. What a perfect way to end this episode and to end our talk today. Before we do wrap up, I do want to just remind everybody again, the book is called, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. I know you can find it in Amazon and all of the places that you find books. And of course, Pantsuit Politics is in all of the places podcast wise. Before we wrap up, um, Sarah, remind everybody where we can find you on social media for any follow-up conversations. We're on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic. No S, because Twitter limits your characters. <laughs> um, Facebook at Pantsuit Politics. And we spend a lot of time on Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. I do a news brief in our Insta stories yes. every morning. So if you need to tip your toes into news, that might be a nice, easy way to go about it. 
And we're also on Patreon where our supporters go. And Beth does an amazing thing called the Nightly Nuance over there where she does a deep dive on a specific issue or story or article every night over there for our patrons. So fantastic. I have to say, I've been loving you guys as um, like your Instagram lives um, that I think you're putting on IGTV even that where you take kind of take an issue and then just in real time, talk it out. I'm like, I cannot watch cable news or anything like that. It stresses me out, but I can watch Sarah and Beth and I can listen to Sarah and Beth talk through some of these issues in real time as they're happening. And you guys are doing so good. So really, I'm I'm speaking right now to all of you awesomes who, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, tend to shy away from some of this part of our culture. If you are looking for a way to that's really accessible and really engaging, you cannot go wrong with Sarah and Beth's conversations. So just huge, awesome plug there for you guys. So <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for your time today. I know you're doing all of the press for all of the things right now. So thank you for making time to come to Sorta Awesome. Just as a reminder, you all can find me um, on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome and on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.